So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Ms. H and I will be discussing Season 10, Episode 12 of 90 Day Fiance. In this episode, Igor thinks a threesome will solve him and Nikki's problems. Citra and Sam's mother... Citra and Sam's mother walk on eggshells around each other. Ashley invites one of Manuel's friends to Rochester. Sophie's mom stops into town and immediately starts giving Rob a hard time. Jasmine spills her feelings about having another kid with Gino. And Clayton goes dancing with Cameron, but not Annalie. So if you love, watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other podcast, Love After Lockup MK, where we are covering the current season of Life After Lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm okay. Um, you know, getting that first, getting back in the groove of, of school. Yes, getting back in the groove of school. Happy New Year, because even getting back in the groove of Podcast Mondays. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Podcasting for 90 Day, because we had, for the first time in a long time, two right. weeks off. Yeah, which it it felt that way, but then it didn't, because we still had love our after lockup. So it wasn't like we completely weren't doing anything. No, but it was definitely weird to come yeah. back to the show and be like, oh, yeah, I, I had literally forgotten the people that were on it. Like I saw Nikki and was like, oh, yeah, her. Right. She's on the show. Right. And I did kind of forget where we were at like the last time, too. But then some of their stories are so slow moving. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, this oh, situation yeah, this again. Is still, this is still going on. Yeah. I had a couple of them where I was like, I, well, I felt like, a, like this one. We'll start with this. Like Gino and Jasmine. Right. Yeah. So I wrote and I started with. Gino and Jasmine are still in Miami. It's right. literally the first night in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. they say. So Jasmine has parrots on her arm as they're walking down the street and they look like they're hitting the town. So the night is uh the night out that they're having is salsa dancing lessons. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you're in Miami, you ought to be able to just find salsa dancing and not yeah. lessons. So just seems more complex to me. So although that's because Gino really, really sucks at dancing. So it's salsa dancing, so it's just rhythm, really just like be with the beat. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> uh, but that makes Jasmine nervous because if it's all steps, like literal steps, then Gino's totally going to step on her feet. But this time he's following instructions and doing pretty good. So the next morning they have some coffee and uh, they're like actually like seeming like a real couple that likes each other and appreciates each other's company. Um, so they stop and take a picture um, – for Juanis, and uh, uh, they said they've been sending lots and lots of messages to Jasmine about how much um, – I mean, sorry, Juanse. Mm-hmm. How much, he's been sending lots and lots of messages to Jasmine about how much um, he wants to come to the U.S., how he already thinks of Gino as a father figure and a bonus dad, which leads to a conversation about how Gino would like to be a real dad, which by that he means a biological dad mm-hmm. with Jasmine. So she tells him that she's not ready for that, but then tells us – in an interview that they, she has a lot of tra- trauma around having more children that she really hasn't talked much to Gino about. So when we come back to them, she is going to have this courageous conversation with him. So she tells us and him that – what she tells us really, that uh, her younger son, JC, is a special, special needs. I mean he's nonverbal and of course she loves her child. But it's been a difficult road for him and for her because in her experience, people can be very mean. Um, she says she gets nasty looks from people, you know, stares and things like that. So she doesn't know how she would be able to handle having an, 
having another child with special needs. She really honestly is like, I don't know that I have it in me. So she explains how hard it is for her to deal with the comments she gets and the look she gets. And she's very, very scared that she won't be able to give Gino a neurotypical kid. So Gino tells us that he doesn't care about all that. He, you know, it'd still be a person and they'd love their child. And of course, JC's condition is not her fault. Um, and, you know, he kind of takes it to the point where it seems like he understands where she's coming from and tells us at least that, you know, he loves Jasmine and he wants to be in this relationship whether or not they like have a kid. So who is this couple that resolves their differences know, right? by just like having a, 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 an actual conversation and saying their own feelings and coming to a conclusion where they're both not necessarily satisfied but not screaming at each other because – it doesn't seem like the Gino and Jasmine we know. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, I think it was, I don't know, impactful for her to say, you know, all these things that you you kind of are picturing to do with your child. Mm-hmm. That might not happen. You know, you can't sure. guarantee that these things will happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that really, like, you know, kind of spoke to Gino in a way where he was like, oh. I hadn't really considered that. Okay, maybe I don't want a kid as much as I think I do because those are the things that are important to me. Right, right. Yeah, like there's – yeah, there's there's things. You're never going to like – it could be you ne- might never read with your kid. You might never, you know – Play ball with your play kid. Play ball with you your know? kid. Right, for sure. No, and and I, I feel like that playing ball and like playing sports and playing catch and mm-hmm. stuff is one of those things that comes up and is kind of – like what guys think of when they think right. of having a kid, right? Sure. Which is why guys usually are like, I'm on team boy. I really hope it's a boy because they want to play games with their kids. Right. And like watch sports with their kids and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, well, just because you have a, a son or even oh, yeah. like a kid at all doesn't mean that they're into any of those things anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I And you say this is a sports thing. I was like, I, you know, I, I kind of even assumed – when I had, um, you know, two daughters, that that would be like whatever. They can, I, I, I can convince them to be into like sports. They'll watch sports. They absolutely do not watch sports with me. I cannot <laughs> pay them to go to a football game with me or right. anything. And it's like, but that doesn't mean I love them less. It doesn't mean it's 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 a weird sensation. It's like what you imagined happening doesn't always happen. But that doesn't mean what replaces it is worse. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe they'll change their mind once they're old enough to tailgate. That's like a whole different experience, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't even really like baseball, but, you know, hot dogs and beer. I'm kind of into that where I tolerate the baseball. Yeah. Baseball's a little bit better. I've been to a couple different ballparks with you and neither of mm-hmm. them are great places because the baseball parks that have bars near them are the best ones because you hit the <laughs> bars first and then you go yeah. to the game. Like that's yeah. – that's, that's a much better. That's a much better ball, ballpark going experience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, uh, let's move on to. Uh, let's get Rob and Sophie out of the way. They're like <laughs> I don't know what it is about this couple, but they are just not my favorite. I don't understand why they're together. I don't think they understand why they're together. Other no. than you're pretty, I'm pretty. Okay, let's be together. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, so Rob thinks that Sophie is trying to make him out to be a dog because if you recall, they're fighting about uh, the person in the sex shop who kind of propositioned the two of them and he just left it up to Sophie when he thinks that she just wants a side partner and he's not enough. 
Sophie says that the reason why she was upset is because she thought Rob wanted to have sex with the person in the sex shop. But if it was just to be supportive of her and her bisexual exploration, she understands and she's not mad. They both agree to move past it. Sophie says that he knows in the future that if any girl shows interest to let uh, them know that he's happy with his soon-to-be wife. Sophie is then trying to cook dinner, and it's feeling really small and cramped at Rob's place. Rob thinks that it's not small and cramped, but it's a bonding moment to be in close quarters trying to peel potatoes. (sighs) Sophie's mom just landed, and we get a montage of Sophie's mom's insults of Rob. Unsurprising, Lay Rob isn't excited about this visit. He also says it's bad timing. Rob thinks that Claire, Sophie's mom, is rude to him. And Sophie says that, you know, Claire's going to be in their lives, so he just has to accept her. They go to Claire's hotel room where she greets Sophie very warmly. And then she gives Rob a hug and compliments his hair before she threatens to hurt him if he hurts Sophie. She thinks that he's a bit immature. And Claire asks to help with the wedding. And Rob says, okay. So then Claire has all these plans of putting these traditional touches in the wedding, like the something borrowed, something blue thing. And then she also wants Sophie to throw a bouquet. But then what started off as a joke that Claire would knock Rob's mom on the floor to get to the bouquet because she's so desperate to be, you know, wifed up, I guess, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. soon turns against Rob as he joins in the joke. Claire and Sophie blame Rob for calling Claire aggressive and insist that Claire was joking as Rob says, so was I. (laughs) Yeah, I was on on Rob's side there. I was on Rob's side too for this. Uh, Rob points out that this is why he feels on edge with them because what starts off as banter turns into them ganging up on him, you know, saying that he said things that he didn't really mean. Claire tells them she is excited to see the house, but she tells us that she's not really excited. And she's just saying that. And she doesn't expect good things from Rob's house. Claire hopes that she is able to intervene if Sophie is going to make a big mistake. Later, Sophie is putting a hair treatment in Rob's hair as they're making promises to make every effort to get along with Claire. Claire then arrives and gives compliments on the courtyard, which is full of flowers, and Sophie points out that the bathroom is outside. Claire has this really fake smile plastered on her face as they are pointing out various features of their home, like... Here's the couch and the chair and the bed. And they're all right next to each just, other. Just, just like, yeah. Yeah. stand at one place, turn and your point. head. And there yes. you go. Yeah. yeah. She finally frowns for a moment before breaking out into her fake smile again. Rob says it was okay when he was by himself, uh, you know, with the space and it was just enough. And Claire asks if, you know, the area is safe. And then Sophie points out that they heard gunshots the other night. And Rob says, nah, it's just some kids playing around with some stuff. Claire asks why things weren't sorted out before Sophie got there. And Rob says that in the last two years, he's been spending money just so he can maintain their relationship and see each other. He points out that he paid for them to stay in Playa for two months. Claire and Rob then start arguing over what he would need to do as a man. And Claire says that it's his responsibility to take care of Sophie because she can't even work. Sophie actually sides with her mom, but Rob is being defensive, so she knows neither of them will get anywhere. 
Rob says neither of them have been at the bottom, so they don't know how it is. He accuses of that. He accuses them of just going to their other family members and getting money anytime they need help. And he says that he has zero help from anyone. Claire says that she doesn't either. And Rob then just calls her a liar. All right. So like I said, I just I don't understand why these two are together. Uh, do you, and I, I'm kind of confused about the money thing, too, uh, just because it sounds like Claire has never been married based on the bouquet talk. And so I don't know if it's Claire's family money or possibly Sophie's dad's uh-huh. uh, family money and they're just not together. But I don't know. Like, I don't think what's Rob your take knows, on this situation? I don't think Rob knows either. Mm-hmm. Like, and so he's talking a lot of shit for somebody who doesn't might not know the situation. Right. Yeah. Like he does not know that mom's full family history. He does not know Sophie's full. history. I mean, Sophie's only 23. So she doesn't have much right. of the history. But to tell them, y'all never been on the bottom, it's like, you do not know that, man. Right. Like, you have, have no idea what this woman has been through. Yeah. Or, or may, maybe has or has not been through. Right. So to, to say that kind of thing out of out of ignorance is and like and the mom knows that even if mom hasn't been on the bottom. She's right. like, you literally don't know that. Like you don't know. It's one of those things that like, you know, sometimes you'll hear like get people online or people say something. You're like, you don't know me. What are you talking about? <laughs> like you don't know what you're talking about. Right? Yeah. And it was certainly a you don't know me situation. But like, I don't know. He's just – he feels bad about himself not having very much money. And so when the money thing comes up, he just gets – ridiculously defensive oh yeah absolutely yeah but i don't know what is he supposed to do in this scenario right like if he truly and that's the thing that's so weird to me it's like does he truly love sophie because i don't know it just doesn't i don't feel like i've ever gotten those kinds of vibes from him right and especially if Mm -hmm. he's been you know doing messaging other women like whether or not they're like random like kind of OnlyFans kind of situation, but uh-huh, there's right, clearly right. been messages with other women. It just, I don't know. I don't know if he's been taking this relationship seriously to save and to get a bigger place for the both of them. Oh, no, I I, I, I do. And I was very upset. Like, I was like, this, this asshole when he was, when he mm-hmm. was going off on his rant, because I don't know, it just, you know, because do you know what people who are actually on the bottom do? They get a fucking job, yeah. right? Right, and that—that's all they. That's literally all they want to do. How yeah. do you not have a goddamn job before she got here? What are you doing? Yeah. You've been here this whole time. Why do you not have a goddamn job? And I agree with that. Why do you not have a goddamn job? But right. I think everybody should have a goddamn job. So, <laughs> like, the idea that he's just going to be like, "Well, I'm on the bottom, and money's tight," and it's like. Okay, well then you have two choices: spend less or make more. Which one did you do? Neither. Okay, then what do you want us to? What, what here's a cookie? What do you want, right. man? No, I agree, and I think it is odd that. It, okay, I don't know, and I, he would never admit this on reality TV. It's like, what is your goal exactly? Are you trying to uh, increase your follower count so you could really make this influencer thing happen? Like, mm-hmm. is that the reason why you're just like, oh, I don't really need a job. I just need to like get more famous, and then it'll all kind of work out for itself. Right now, now the other thing that goes with this, if we're taking the show as it is, in mm-hmm. reality, I have heard rumors that he does have a job. It just is it a weed dispensary and production doesn't want to make that his job 
like don't oh, want to say like, like like rob legal drug dealer right they don't want to put that right. on the title screen okay <laughs> all right but still that's a job for something it's a job i mean it's i i, I mean at this point i mean when weed's legal everywhere then whatever it's a job it, it, how is that different than working at a liquor store i mean like, they could be vague about it too right like salesperson mm-hmm. Like retail worker, like right, like what are or even like farmer? Like, tell, <laughs> tell me, it's a tell me he's at a CBD clinic and it has sells ointments and oils or something, right? Close right, enough. but you could be vague. You could just say like uh, customer service, and I mean, I feel like we've seen situations where it's like pretty vague, like that, like customer service, right. patient outreach. You're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Or like like cybersecurity analyst. Right. So, yeah. So it's just I I don't understand why they're if he does have a job, why they can't just vague it out, because I feel like we've had vague job descriptions before. Right. Because, I mean, that's definitely the way the conversation went. Their biggest beef was you don't have a job Mm -hmm. and you knew she's been coming and you still don't have a job. Yeah. And you knew you could have gotten a job and worked for a couple months and saved up enough to make the deposit on a one-bedroom apartment that has a bathroom in it. (laughs) And we'd be okay with that. Well, I'm kind of surprised if he's really in the weed business that he doesn't have more money. Like, I don't know. I thought – maybe it's just me. I thought it would be more lucrative than – I think for the owners of the shops it is. I don't know that the people who – They just get free product. I I, I (laughs) legit think a lot of them work for basically free product. Yes. Because – and I – yeah, I know like friends of friends that work and they more or less get paid basically nothing. But they want – they're supposed to be giving people like recommendations and stuff, right? So they Uh have – they have to have tried everything, right? Well, this one is – again, so they have like – so they basically get samples of everything and that's why they work there because they get the samples to bring home. (laughs) That seems like a weird – life choice that's like deciding like oh i'm gonna work at the coca-cola factory because i really like coke and i really want to like have free product and free soda all the time it's like is it that hard to get now that it's legal but i also i also just feel like maybe this was rob i feel like almost everybody has like a friend you know whose brother lives at home and just Oh, yeah. Smokes weed all day. Mm-hmm. Like, and has for 20 years, right? Like, and, um, like, and that person now just works at a dispensary. <laughs> yeah, I could kind of see that. That also makes sense why he's kind of okay with where he lives. Like, my biggest thing with, um, you know, I knew a couple of just v- like the most serious potheads I knew did live at home. And it was mostly because they just had no motivation to like no, that's, really that's change anything is, right? in their life. I'm cool. This is all I want to do. I'm fine. Oh, right. What's the problem with this? Yeah. I could certainly see this being <laughs> Rob's situation. He's like, well, all right, I have a bathroom outside and I can basically touch all my walls from bed, but that's cool. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just I have weed now. I'm good. That's it. Yeah. Good. All right. So um, let's move on to um, let's say Sam and Citra. So Citra is excited be, for her life improvement, which is to actually get a rice maker in this house mm-hmm. and have a chance to make rice as a starch instead of potatoes. So she reminds us about how Sam stupidly forgot his paperwork and now might end up in jail. So she doesn't know what she'd do if he went back to jail. She can't really support herself and is embarrassed about um, telling this to her dad. But Sam, for his part, recognizes that her silence, um, you know, since she told him, is, is it, isn't great. <laughs> like she's just been kind of giving him the silent treatment and he knows it's all her fault. 
So he asks her how she's feeling about things with uh, all this new information. And she tells him that she uh, she already waited two years. So I guess I'll continue to wait. So he's super relieved that he's a sunk cost. Woo. Really, really hitting it up there. So still, it's going to be difficult to tell her dad, the cop. Um, and she thinks there's even a possibility that when he finds out, he'll just take her back to Indonesia. So she tells um, she tells Sam that she has a special way to punish him for keeping this secret from him. And it's by making some spicy Indonesian food oh and Indonesian food and making him eat it. So she says the dish that she made is not too spicy for her because well, everything's spicy in Indonesia. <laughs> but it'll be too spicy for him. And he especially thinks it's going to be too spicy later when he's in the bathroom. So now that all that's settled, Sam is talking to Citra, taking Citra to see his estranged mom. So he says him and his mom have been out of contact for a bit, but they're trying to reestablish the relationship. So there's clearly a lot of history there. So on the way, he warns her that there are good reasons that he keeps his distance from what he calls his kind of crazy mother. <laughs> so he thinks that his mom's going to be sweet to Citra, but it's also worried that she's going to be like super xenophobic. So please don't judge me by her. So Sam thinks that uh, mom is – says that mom is a very religious person, although he, she doesn't always practice what she preaches. So they get there and mo- her, the mom, whose name is Didi, opens the door and hugs Citra. So inside the house is also Grandma Trima, who is very excited to see everybody. And it turns out they just moved from Missouri to, North, from, to Missouri from North Carolina so they could be closer to Sam. So things are going so far so good. Um, but, you know, Sam is kind of like – this is like walking on eggshells waiting for that landmine to go off. You never know what you're going to say that's going to get under her skin. So he tells them that the wedding's going to be in a few days, which Dee, Dee is excited for, excited for the wedding, excited for him to be with Citra. But everything is brand new territory. So because of this is going to be a Muslim wedding, he has to convert to Islam and things like that. So she really doesn't – she kind of is clearly biting her tongue about a lot of things. <laughs> um, so she doesn't have much to say but then tells us tells us in an interview that she thinks it's bad that people shouldn't have to convert to get married. They should just be whoever they are. Um, you know, they can get married to whoever they want. Unless it's witchcraft, then you shouldn't marry a witch. That That's <laughs> off the table. Um, so anyway, then Dee Dee asks it like kind of directly asks Citra uh, to try to maybe start an argument if she would call the wedding off if he didn't convert. And she's just kind of like, well, I mean, uh, uh, um, hmm. and then we get some more interviews of Dee Dee trying really, really hard to find that line where she can stop just short of being a total Islamophobe. Like, oh gosh. Just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. My impression was just like. I just got the impression that this woman didn't want to say anything bad on camera, but also really, really hates Muslims. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it was really hard to say what was going on because I don't think they were super open. They seem nice enough, though. Sure. Oh, yeah. And grandma was grandma was cute as, cute as hell because she was just like he was like, oh, you're going to be there, grandma. She's like, I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to the wedding. <laughs> yeah, okay, but I, I do think they don't really know enough if they're con- like almost comparing them to witches, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Of all the things to compare to, be like, no, never marry a witch. It's never like, marry a witch. Okay. Like, that was no, who, who said anything about burying a witch besides Ashley? She's not here. What's going on? Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Her. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, this is also a couple that I see, I think, is very oddly matched and mostly because of the religious thing, too. Like, 
I feel like we're going to continue to say this, but I just don't understand the partner that is so religious that they're hell bent on getting the other person to convert. And the other person is very like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll be that religion. But it's like, it's not real. They have to know it's not real. Right. And so it's like, yes. And so it's like, well, what's the point of making them convert? I thought the point of making them convert is that you were supposed to be in a holy relationship where you would raise your children of this faith, right. you know, and, and, and be, you know, uh, grow the faith or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem – are you really doing that with like just somebody who's like, yeah, sure, Muslim, whatever. That's me. Yeah. Fine. And there's like, like no conviction behind there. And it's like Sam clearly has a family that – Definitely disagrees. I mean, dad is into ancient aliens. You dad know, is into it's ancient like aliens. Mom is seems to be some sort of evangelical who doesn't want Sharia law to be enshrined in Congress or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot going on there. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand it, but I don't know. All right. So uh, let's go to, uh, I was going to say other things we don't understand. Um, let me do, I'm going to stick with Clayton. So Clayton oh, and Annalie are in San Diego still, um, and they have 31 days to wed, which means that they also have had not had sex for 59 days since yeah. she's been here, which we right. don't have to do the math for because they put it on the screen yep. 59 days without sex. Production be trolling. I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Very, and it was like – it was like him, they said that like as he was just making like a sad face in bed by himself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, Annalie is mad at him and – which is not surprising they didn't have sex last night because she was mad at him for oversharing about sex. So it's yeah. like, no, that's definitely not going to work. So she, he doesn't think he even overshared. She thinks that if he wants to fix something about their relationship, that he and her should talk about it. We don't need to bring your friends in like they're a therapist. So they have some breakfast sandwiches and she brings up last night when they're talking. So she tells him that she's a little bit more conservative than him when it comes to sharing those sort of things. And – uh he just is like, but I just talk about what's on my mind. In that case, that was on my mind. She was like, so sex is on your mind all the time? And he was like, no, no, just randomly right then. And my best friend was there, so we talked about it. He does apologize, though, which makes her feel better. And the whole situation really drove home for her that there's a lot they don't know about each other. Mm. So then Clayton says that he and Cameron have a surprise for her or Cameron has a surprise and later in the day and they need to go. And I don't know. She never sees the surprise. I was very confused about what was going on here. But anyway, they leave, they go, just Clayton and Cameron, and they go because he's going to learn how to do a traditional Peruvian dance at like the Peru school or something in San Diego. So then we get a learning montage where he's has a big wide brim hat that's too small for his head, so it keeps uh, falling that was off. just weird, yeah. <laughs> and he does some, you know, awkward wooden dancing, even though Cameron is impressed that it's better than he thought it was going to be. So they sit and talk and Cameron brings up another issue that we haven't heard about for a while, which is that Annalie hasn't told him, her father, about Clayton like at all. Like they're getting married. He does not know Clayton exists. So part of him – Clayton says that part of him just wants to go over his head and tell dad himself. But then that would be him not respecting her wishes and like does he want to be in a relationship where he has to keep going over his wife's head to his dad – to her dad? That's not (laughs) – that's not cool. So Cameron suggests that really he needs to reflect on what he wants out of his marriage and relationship and kind of decide how he wants to ask for things, what he wants. So and then they get back and I guess Annalie just stayed home all day and didn't do anything even though they were on a trip because she's just at the house and it's dark out now. 
And Cameron comes in to say goodbye because they're going to be leaving soon and he won't be able to see them before they leave. So his conversation with Cameron has inspired Clayton to get into the right – to try to get her into the right mood with some good food and then talk to her about telling Dad. So she makes – so he grills up some steaks and she just makes a – as soon as he brings it up, she makes like the most frustrated face in the world and is just confused because she was like, we already talked about this. I thought it was resolved. And – um he just tells her, like, you know, you're going to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. The moment's never going to be right. So you just got to bite the bullet and tell him, you know, before we get married. So she tells us that he's – that dad's overprotective and that if she tells him now, it's going to be three times worse than if she told him before, which really just means she should have told him before. So I don't yeah. So she didn't wasn't going to tell him then and she's not going to tell him now. She's no longer hungry. She leaves dinner to cry and it – Clayton is just like – confused he's like why on earth is this getting this reaction all right so what i mean what do you think it is why why does she not want to tell her dad i don't know why she had that kind of reaction for it um yeah it's really hard to say uh i I can't imagine honestly other than frustration but to me it would be more like she's just mad at him right Mm -hmm. i don't know why she's sad about it that's that's the emotion that i think is hard for me to understand like i can understand how she's mad at clayton for continuously pressuring her to tell her dad like in fact that's how she's reacted some of the times that you know he's brought it up she's just been mad at him but i don't know why she's upset i mean i do have uh, theories about why she's upset and it's because I think the reason she doesn't want to tell dad is pretty simple. She's scared of dad. Like Mm -hmm. she's just scared of her dad, right? And she's scared of how he's going to react and she doesn't want to do it, right? And now she kind of knows – she kind of told us it's going to be three times worse now than if I would have told him earlier. Oh, God. Well, then that's her own damn fault. I have zero sympathy for her. If you keep waiting after the wedding, (laughs) it's going to be nine times worse. Right. Right. It's going to keep getting worse the longer you wait, right? And she knows that and that's upsetting to her but – she doesn't still doesn't, is scared to tell him because it's still going to be a big deal. And I think she's sad because she knows he's right. Like, mm-hmm. and she knows she's wrong and she needs to tell her dad that she's getting married in like a couple weeks that, and, and there's only so much deflecting you can do. It's not out of line for him to keep bugging her about it. Like, yeah, it's something that needs to be done. Well, I kind of feel that the reason why she's avoided telling dad is because I don't know if she was super sold on this relationship to begin with, you know, and it's one of those things where she's like, well, maybe I won't have to tell him, you know, maybe I'll just end up not marrying. If we end up Clayton. not getting married, then I never right. have to tell him in the first then place. Then I don't have to it's tell done. him. I can just go home. I don't have to, you know, make him upset, and, you know, no harm, no foul. So I feel like that's the underlying reason why she's put it off even more mm-hmm. yes Damn. well now it won't be till they're actually married that it's like well now i now i did get married so he has to, I, I i don't know i feel like she'd still be putting it off she'd still find a reason to not say it which is yeah like wild well i think it's odd that she lied to him about her kind of visa that yes. to me is like where it's like all right like do you really think that he thinks it's that easy to just get a work visa over there? Like, Right. I, I would feel like in Latin America, like there's had to be kind of a thing. It was like it's not 
easy to get into no, the states, right? I don't think so. Like, no, well, not like that on a work visa. Like, quite honestly, w- my knowledge of work visas is uh, you really only see work visas for very large companies. Um, mm-hmm. And usually they have an international presence. And the reasoning behind that is because they have an international presence and because they have the money to uh, fund the lawyers that deal with all that stuff kind of in-house. Oh, no. So my, school, see- my school system sponsors a bunch of visas. A bunch oh, really? Oh, yeah. That is so interesting to me. Well, the other thing I was going to say is uh, educational institutions. Mm -hmm. You see educational institutions because they have a special type of visa. I think it's the H-1 visa um, if you're working for an educational institution. Yeah, we we, we do Mm H-1Bs. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so um, those are the two that I could think of. And she falls under neither category. Right. But either one, you have to – you have to like – Either be like a ridiculous on your fail because it's the same. It's the same visa that like a NBA player would get, right? Right? Because right. you're like, wow, you know, this person is cannot be replaced, right? Yeah. Either you can't, you're so good at it, you can't be replaced, or B, we can't find any Americans to take this job, right? And so sure. our, for some reason, our math department is. I think our math department's almost all Filipino now. Interesting. Like okay. yeah, and so they, we have they sponsor a ton of work visas from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, from other pla- other places too, but I think I would say the Philippines is probably the the biggest one. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. is interesting. But yeah, I would as her dad, I would be like, well, tell me a little bit more, about, me more this about this job this that's yeah. sponsoring what, what, you. What company are you working for? <laughs> right. right. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that to me, it seems weird to be. I'm a super overprotective dad who's going to be right. like so angry. Also. I don't know what company my daughter works for. <laughs> like that doesn't seem those don't go together. Right. It doesn't seem like they because I mean there's certainly people who ask zero questions, zero follow up. Like they don't know details. I yeah, definitely I, believe there are people I like that out there. I cannot imagine not knowing like what school my kid goes to or what job they have. I don't know. I mean some people is. are like that. But I wouldn't I couldn't imagine being I could imagine I was saying I can't I wouldn't personally be like that. I can imagine the kind of relation, a strained relationship, or you know, you know, off hands off relationship you'd have. I can't imagine doing that, and also having them being so scared. I have how I would react when they said yeah. they got married. That's yeah. the Those that's the, the disconnect that, part. Yeah, yeah, that don't go together. Uh, All right, let's uh, move on to Ashley and Manuel. So Manuel's best friend, Jonathan, actually lives in New York City, and it's been seven years since they've seen each other, but he's stopping by uh, for a visit. Ashley has set up this visit as a surprise for Manuel, and he is very happy. Ashley asks how Jonathan learned English, and he says, from the streets. Jonathan says that he has, uh, that Manuel has the best kind of teacher in Ashley and he should take advantage of it. But Manuel compares her to a yapping parrot back in Ecuador. Ashley encourages the two of them to get out of the house and they both go to a bar. Manuel tells Jonathan about Ashley's spending and Jonathan says that it's just different here than back at home. And uh, Manuel's going to have to get used to it. Manuel says that he's tired and frustrated because he misses Ecuador a lot and he feels like Ashley just doesn't understand it's hard for him to be there. Later, Jonathan, Ashley, and Manuel all sit down and Ashley asks Jonathan to help her understand why Manuel never wants to spend money on himself and makes her feel guilty for spending money. 
Ashley says that she's spending money for a family when she could be paying her own bills. And Manuel says he wants to send Ashley to Ecuador so she can see how uh, she can live off of $200, which is the amount that Ashley had sent her uh, his family. Ashley says that she is the only one paying the bills and she's kind of tired of paying someone else's bills as well. Manuel says that he cares about taking care of others like his family and she only cares about herself. Ashley gets up to cry because she feels like he hurt her feelings. Ashley says that she's supporting him financially, emotionally, and reminds us physically because they're banging it out a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. And Manuel tells Jonathan that he feels hurt that she's saying that his family should be so lucky to get any money at all. Okay, so we kind of see a little bit of both sides. Are you team Ashley or team Manuel in this argument? <sighs> I mean, I feel like in this one, I'm, I... I think they both made their points in terrible ways mm-hmm. um but if i look at the meat of the argument i i'm more on manuel's side mm-hmm. like it's it, it's just like whatever reason it is sending money to his family um wh- whatever it is it's her the message she keeps sending is what's important to you doesn't matter mm-hmm what i want gets done because it's my money you should and they like you should be so lucky yeah. That you get any money from me, mm-hmm. right? And it's like that's not a partnership. Yeah. Like, what kind of relate? What kind of relationship is that? Especially in this situation that we've seen before, he mm-hmm. literally cannot work. Right. Right. That is yeah. a you made an agreement that you would support what he you would be the breadwinner and support yourselves as a couple with your money. That was the arrangement that you have to have to come here. Mm-hmm. So. You don't also at the same time get to be like what you want to spend money on maybe will get done if I feel like it. You're lucky. Right. Yeah. That's that's nonsense. Yeah. I mean, this is really difficult because I can understand where she's coming from in her thought that I agreed to support you, not you and your 20 family members. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, I don't think Manuel sees it that way. You know, he's like, just because I'm well fed and clothed and have a place doesn't mean my family is taken care of. And so, you know, that's what I need. I need my family to be taken care of. And so for Ashley to kind of see Manuel and his family as two separate entities, I think is kind of the issue the right, kind of underlying sure. issue here yep. um because I, yeah i feel like he is like listen i'm not asking you for a ps5 i right. don't want clothes i don't want this you can take all the money you would have spent on all that stuff for me mm. and just send it to my family yeah like i'm fine with what i have i'm good i'm done right just send all the money and if but so it, it's weird to him that he's like so you will be okay buying me a bunch of shit i didn't need Right. But my family needs money and you won't send it to him? What, what's yeah. up with that? Yeah. Because, you're, because I think you hit it on the right. He doesn't see himself and his family as separate entities. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult thing. And I don't think it's something that they're really going to get over, like in terms of an actual resolution. I mean, and I say actual resolution because I feel like they've made it this far because, I mean, even like seeing the preview, it's like if they have an argument, they almost need to immediately have sex just to like be able to continue having a conversation. It's ridiculous. They they go on things. Like Ashley just gets on these ranty rants where Mm -hmm. she's like, I can't believe it. And and then 
But then he needs to stop describing that as yapping like a parrot because that does not help. (laughs) No. No, it definitely doesn't. But and yeah, I don't. I also resent her holding the we bang it out like multiple times a day. And it's like, yeah, you want that too. Don't act like you're doing that just oh for him. Oh my gosh, I know. Like, I am the physical support for him. It's like, <laughs> uh, you could say no. That's fine. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Um, is that everybody? No, or, we got Igor and Nikki. Oh, Igor and Nikki. Right. So after their big fight. Nicole and Igor are forced to drive back in the same car, which always sucks. Like It's yeah. like a walk of shame where you're just like, I'm stuck in a car with you for hours. So if you remember, this fight was over the sex that he had pretty close to them getting engaged again. Like uh, the, she thinks that this means he's not invested in their relationship at all. But he just thinks that they were on a break. It wasn't they weren't exclusive yet. Whatever. I was I was thinking, when we were exclusive, I stopped. So then he suggests I don't know why how this came up or why this would make things better, but he thinks that, you know, maybe to make things better, she can join in and they can have a threesome. God. Uh, so he spins this as like wanting to share his fantasies with his partner. And Nikki is like confused, but also like, yeah, I already did all that stuff. I, I had wild <laughs> 20s, right? Um, and, you know, and he, well, which he kind of retorts with, like, he was like, yeah, but I was with you in my 20s and we didn't do that stuff. I didn't get a chance <laughs> in my 20s. So anyway, she suspects that his desire for a threesome is really about her gender identity. Like he needs mm. a woman involved. He needs a, a assigned female at birth woman involved, mm-hmm. a cis woman involved to like get going sexually. So, well, either that or he just likes fucking around with her emotions. So back at the room, she tries to stay away. But, like, she tries to be like, I'm going to go in the other room, but then end up storming back in and be like, nope, we have to talk. So, <laughs> like, she starts off really aggressively. Like, okay, when you were having a sex friend, were you actively having, like, were you ha- were you having sex with me? Because we started having sex and w- w- were you having unprotected sex with other people that I didn't know about? And he's like, oh, no, no, I always, I always use protection. So, yes, there was overlap. We learned that, mm-hmm. right? And then she's like, how many women was it? And he was like. I don't know, maybe two, which is a too low of a number to not know the actual right, number. Exactly. <laughs> like if you were like, I don't know, like 17 or 18, okay, I can understand not knowing right. that number. You kind of lost it's track like, at some point. You kind of yeah. lost track at some point, for sure. You'd not lose track at two. No. Um, so, okay. Then we move on to why do you want a threesome? So she tells him again, starts with the, she's been there, done that. Um, and, you know, then she does like a whole truth table of permutations of all the people she's been with. She's like, <laughs> oh, two guys, a guy and a girl, a girl and a guy, two girls, like a whole everything. A guy and maybe <laughs> a reluctant girl. Like. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there was even three guys one time in Paris. But that sucked. Anyway, so anyway, so <laughs> she wants to know how he plans on uh, this working if how, like, if you can't even get, you know, horny for me. If your sex drive so mm. low, we can't even have sex. How are you going to have enough energy for two women? How is this going to work? So he's like, I was thinking about the future, not now. Um, But that doesn't help because she's like, oh, so you want to do this after we're married? You want to have sex with other women? (laughs) So Nikki doesn't like where any of this is pointing. So things are not really going any better when Igor steps out so that Nikki can call her mom. So she tells mom all about the fight they had and how they can – and how they all are kind of connected to the worries she's been having about this relationship since – she started back up with him and then she 
also during this conversation has to explain to her mom what a threesome is. God. She's like, he wanted a threesome. She's like, a what? She's like, a threesome. And she was like, what is that? She was like, it's when you have like, you know, like all the parts. Yeah. <laughs> so while this is going on, Igor is out talking to his friend Ivan at a restaurant. So he says, of course, that he was with other women and, and because he's a man, what was I supposed to do? Oh, I always hate that. So Ivan gets is on his side because – is on the side of Nikki because he's like, well, yeah, well, how can she trust you now if you were just like not telling her about like banging other women while you were together? So then Igor then brings up, but what about her masculine side? Oh, so God. back with mom, she's telling uh, – mom is basically being like, oh, no, say hell no to the threesome. That's an – that's a terrible thing. You should <laughs> set an ultimatum. Ivan back with Igor suggests that women are just naturally manipulative. So unless he puts his foot down, she's never going to stop with all of his fighting and demanding sex and stuff like that because he also has that same issue Gino has where he's always like, well, I never want to do it because we always fight. And then mm. she wants it. Like it, they're not on the same wavelength as, as Ashley and Manuel where they fight and then both really want to do it. Like yeah. he doesn't want to do it after they fight. Right. So um, anyway, so all this stuff is not going to stop again because women are naturally manipulative. Mm. Um, so let's take advice from this guy. God. So he needs to be the man in the relationship and put his foot down. So to make things for, worse, there's supposed to be a big engagement celebration coming soon. So now it seems like before the celebration happens, we're on this collision course where they're both going to show up and put their foot down and be like – and try to make ultimatums and, and say, I don't think they won. So I don't know. What – can you think of any way that bringing up a threesome – in this scenario, in this time, <laughs> was help, would possibly be helpful at all. No, I honestly thought he was just fucking with her. I, he could be. I, and she said that as a possibility. Like, he might just be fucking with me. Yeah. The whole conversation just seemed so, like, like kind of campy and, like, her, her, what do you think of that? You know, like, dad joke style. Like, mm -hmm. the dumbest dad jokes, but it was, like, in that kind of style of humor. And it's just, like, are you being serious right now? Especially from everything that we have kind of seen of him. Um, I'm not going to defend him and say that he's been a super great guy, but he seemed to have been, like, if anything, more on the serious side. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for us to see him like this, I was like, who is this dude? And so I, I just wondered a little bit, like, how real was this or how much is it where he's already kind of seeing the writing on the wall and he's like, well, whatever, I'll just kind of see, throw everything and yeah. see what sticks. Yeah, I don't think this is the first time that he when she when she gets upset about something, mm -hmm. he makes a deadpan joke that deadpan joke that pisses her the hell off. Oh she, yeah. and, and it's part of her part of it is in order to piss her the hell off. Like, yeah. I was also confused why he was playing around with that weird ass purple stuffed bird. <laughs> it was very hard for me to take him seriously with this weird like it looked like two balls, um like puffed balls like connected by this really comically skinny neck. And I, like, was just so focused on this, like, how can I take this person seriously? How can Nikki take him seriously while he's talking about threesomes while holding this weird purple bird? Yeah, I mean, everything is weird about – it was hard to take her seriously when she had the giant yeah. heart sunglasses on. Oh, gosh, like, yeah. 
<laughs> it's just it's it's unusual. These people tend to have these really serious conversations, really momentous like you know conversations coming out of nowhere when they have like just ridiculous things around oh and ridiculous my things going on so it is very hard to take what they're doing seriously right right definitely uh so uh i don't know i this is another one that i predict probably not going to be a couple much longer i don't even think that they make it to the engagement party no probably not yeah in fact didn't i was it my imagination that i saw a preview where she says that he broke up with her over text? Maybe, but that might have been the first time they broke up. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But I, I, it was literally on the very beginning of my recording, which I was a little confused about mm. because it's like, why would it be at the beginning? So I don't know. So I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm hallucinating there, but yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't remember seeing anything about that too. So we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So out of the group we saw this week, which was, I think, everyone except for Nick and Devin, which were kind of suspicious that their storyline may have wrapped up since we did see a wedding. Right. We did see a wedding. And we don't have that many episodes left. I mean, we do. I say that many. We still have like two months worth of episodes. What are we talking about? Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's not till March. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, So out of the group we saw this week, uh, who is your student of the week? I went with Jasmine. Um, Just – a very actually telling someone her feelings and a hard thing to say, saying it out loud, heartfelt. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, she can be a likable person. And that's she like, can. Yeah. And that, that's that's we saw that this week. This week. Right. Uh, I went with Citra. I mean, if the worst that you're going to do revenge wise is spice up some food. Yeah. I think that's a pretty decent reaction. Uh, but she also <laughs> handled meeting mom and grandma who were potentially prejudiced against her. She dealt with that okay. Yeah. Yes, for sure. All right. uh, What about your dunce? I said Igor. Oh, I I did too. I don't know what that was. That was weird. It was weird. It was gross. I don't know. It was weird. It was gross. And then it it didn't help when he went to his friend and was like, how do you deal with these naturally manipulative women who are being too masculine for my taste? Like, gross. Stop this. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely has turned it around in terms of how I felt about him at the beginning of the season versus now. Yeah, I mean, and it's 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 tough to Nikki is tough because she's yeah. so over the top. Sure, right? that it's it's it, again, where are we being serious? How are we feeling? Like uh, that, it it can be it hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, so what about your life lesson? Um, this is too. Sophie's mom, like, don't dish out jokes if you can't take them. Right. Like, <laughs> totally. Because he was even just like follow. He didn't even directly say she was no. aggressive. No. Like, like he, she was like, I'll tackle your mom. And he was like, oh, you'll probably get her. My mom's not very aggressive. And the response was, oh, so you think I'm aggressive. Right. Like, what is that? What? How did that happen? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my life lesson is aimed at Clayton. You know, don't claim to be getting advice from your friends when you're really just making disparaging comments or talking shit Mm -hmm. on your partner, because that's what he said. He was like, what? I was just getting advice from my friends. It's like, not really. You're kind of really just talking shit on Annalise. Yeah, it was just talking shit. It it totally was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, will we be back again uh, this time next week? Uh, No breaks, at least. 
I don't anticipate one for a very long time. I'm trying to think of that. that, 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 that. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Probably. Oh, no. There's usually a break on Super Bowl. Um, oh, right, right. So, okay. Maybe next month. Yeah. So probably one break next month. But we'll, yeah. be, we'll be back here next week at least. Okay. So until then. All right. See everybody. Then. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Good.